Hey everyone, John and Andrew here. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, starting from the ground up. Marked by shame. And the cracks are where the light comes in. This is Obstacle Course. Here we go. All right, today's guest, Lindsay Nazan, one of the two amazing Nazans. That's how we uh, we get her name <laughs> right. <laughs> and I do know the other amazing Nazan as well. Um, there are two people I actually worked with about like 10 years ago, maybe even more yeah. than 10 years ago, um, at, a, at a crazy place called the Strathcona Hotel. Oh, that is a crazy place. Uh, Victoria's Entertainment Center. Uh, in the When we were both firmly in the hospitality industry. And it, it was a, an incredible conversation mm-hmm. because both of us have experienced a, a lot of growth and loss and done a lot of work since we knew each other back then. And kind of coming in back 10 years later hadn't hadn't spoken it was uh it, amazing to to rediscover this uh this guest and you both changed so much in the last 10 years yeah i mean crazy she she was very complimentary of you in particular which which makes me think how bad were you 10 years ago <laughs> it's amazing yeah. the kind of man you are you, today. you, you speak <laughs> you speak english now yeah. Effectively, you just basically mumble. You're sober. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's no. not not part of the conversation. It's always good honest. though when you connect with someone from your past. You know, mm-hmm. when they haven't seen you in a long time. Like your first image of them is always what it was ten years ago. Yeah. And then after a quick conversation, you're like, "Wow, they've done a lot of internal growth." Mm-hmm. And uh, you both talked about that really well in this episode. Yeah, and it, it's it's inspiring. I mean that that is the kind of person that I want to be and I, and she's mentioned that as well is that I don't want to be the same person I was 10 no, years ago God, it, no. in another 10 years I want to um have have different experiences and and um and continue to grow and and the as you often say the the obstacle course never stops um we we do um we're hopefully not just constantly going through obstacles but we do want to be continuing to grow and and sometimes obstacles are actually the best place to grow oh absolutely absolutely um i said that twice because i wanted you to know i really agree with you (laughs) yeah absolutely squared (laughs) yeah um but yeah you know one thing that did come come up was you know talking about that sort of beginning part of our life when when we're younger and it's off we, we often look back and be like, oh, I was such a dumbass as a as a teenager, or I was so selfish, or so anxious, or mm-hmm. so. And we just sort of. And Lindsay said it. She's like, I just kind of look back at the time, and it's like, yuck. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't want to go back to that. And so I, I thought it would be kind of kind of neat to to remind ourselves here that there are some good parts of our childhood that that sometimes we're we're ashamed of our whole childhood or that whole experience or, or who we were that we just forget it all. Yeah. And then as you know, I'm a 43 year old as a, what are you 34 or something? Yep. Um, as a 34 year old, um, we're, we want to distance ourselves from that, but there's parts of that that made us who we, who we were. And I've connected with a few of those recently. And I just thought it'd be cool to share, like, what are, what are those parts of, of, of the Andy that <laughs> used to be called mm-hmm. that, um, were actually like, really cool and gave you a lot of joy that you maybe have forgotten. And while you're thinking about that, um, for me, like I, I look back and, and it was something so simple. It's like, I just love playing basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just loved it. I mean, it, it, it was like meditative for me. I would play it all day long. I mean, that's back in the day where really I didn't have too many responsibilities, but it gave me so much joy. And then, and then when I kind of became an adult and kind of got serious with life and had a family and had to, you know, business and blah, blah, blah. 
you sort of forget about those things. And I've just recently picked it up in the last month, inspired by you, actually, when, mm. when you said, you know, it's important. You're, you're encouraging me to find times of just playing because yeah. my intense personality, everything's either a competition or an outcome. And it's like, just find something that, that you can just do for the hell of it because it makes you feel good. And basketball, I've been going out almost every night and just shooting hoops by myself. And it's just one of these things that I don't think carried on since childhood because I look back at some of that and I'm like, well, I want to distance myself from it. So I just encourage the listeners, go back to like, you know, 20 years ago or, or 30 years ago. And what were those things that you used to love that you've, you've given up on because you thought they were part of your tainted self? Mm-hmm. They're, they're actually probably worth maybe relooking at. Yeah. Can you think of an example? I mean, the, it's not exactly the same, but for me, um, looking back to some areas where I had shame in, and it's even that it is partially related to the time that I originally knew Lindsay um, was like living pretty extremely, and and that and and she spoke of her own relationship with that, and it it, it came from extreme. There was extreme hard work. There was extreme right. um, desire to to do everything perfectly, but there was also like extreme partying and like extremely poor habits that I was uh, putting myself through, and then I would feel shame when uh, when looking back at that in the right. in that time and in other times and i think what part of that i still have now is is wanting to live really fully and now it's just like well maybe i just want to have rich relationships um and and live in a balance and in a healthy way and so i think that's um yeah that that comes to me um for for parts of me that i didn't feel great about at the time um but Looking back, I think now that I have a deeper understanding and a different awareness, I can I can give I can look at look back at them with a little bit more compassion. Yeah, like I, I almost what I got from that was like you're you're relooking what you were actually searching for back then, mm-hmm. and now you're seeing you didn't realize at the time you were just wanting to live an abundant life, yeah. but you weren't necessarily doing it you know the proper way. Yeah. So now you're now trying to like do that with things like adventure and podcasting and coaching and running a business and just having a full life. These (laughs) are all healthy things, right? Which can become unbalanced too. Totally. But, but the same impetus for for when you're, you know, 20 years old. For sure. Um, Which is, yeah, a very compassionate way to look at it instead of just Mm -hmm. being like, Oh, what a selfish, you know, I was such an idiot. Mixed up kid. Yeah. 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 Uh, So this conversation that we're having now is just a, just like a drop in the it's bucket for, yeah. for for what is to follow. It was an incredibly oh, fulfilling and enriching and and provocative conversation. Lindsay is uh, uh, one of the best communicators that I've come across for sure. Yeah. For um, understanding deep philosophy, deep thinking, and and being able to express it incredibly coherently and and making it relatable for people who can just kind of sit back and take it in and apply it to themselves. So it was uh, it was a gift of a conversation. And for if you're looking for more Lindsay or, or more of these kind of conversations, wanted to give a quick shout out to the Obstacle Course community, which is a, a Facebook group. It's a private group, but anyone is welcome in. And, and once you're in, you're, you're part of the community. And we continue these conversations. And Lindsay herself is actually a member of the community as well. 
Yeah, and the whole purpose of it is not to listen to Andrew and I again. Post stuff that you're learning, books, you know, um, habits, uh, just share a tough time you're going through, ask people for help. That's the purpose of the community. That's why it's our private group. It's a safe place for you to share yeah. the journey and continue the conversation. Yeah. So hopefully we'll see you there, folks. Totally. And be a part of more of these kind of conversations because we feel that they're important and, and uh, you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast right now if, if you didn't think so as well. Thanks, folks. Welcome, Lindsay Nazen, to Obstacle Course. We have uh, we've known each other for quite a while now, um, but we just haven't hadn't spoken for you know ten years. So it's uh, it's good to see and hear you again, and uh, we're super excited to have you on today. Yeah, thank you so much. It is good to see and be in touch with you again, and nice to meet your your comrade John as well. And um, I'm sure yeah, it I'm is. So- I'm a good guy. <laughs> you you are yeah i can feel that <laughs> yeah i'm so grateful to be here thank you yeah, yeah. um so a, a place i i thought we could start um and it's a fun place that we've never really started before um you do a lot of work um i i referred to you as an everyday buddhist and you quickly um told me that i was incorrect because you don't actually consider yourself a true buddhist but you do subscribe to some buddhist philosophy and and uh the philosophy of yoga and a, a place that I thought we could begin is if you were to take us through an exercise, uh, maybe a 30 to 60 second exercise that, that people who are listening are welcome to join in with or even potentially use themselves if they're going into a situation where they, they want to be calm and grounded. Um, what, what would the exercise look like and, and would you be willing to walk us through that real quick? Uh, or not real quick, but, but uh, just walk us through it, um, how that might look. Yes, absolutely. I can do that. I think the the most important thing um, when we are trying to feel grounded is to connect to the breath. So we can do a quick drop in and I can lead you through a little quick pranayama or breathing exercise and uh, we'll we'll see how you guys feel afterwards. So it'll probably take a minute or two. And if you are listening, you can do it while you're doing whatever you're doing. Like you don't have to actually stop. You can just, you know, if you're doing the dishes, just follow the breath. Or if you're driving your car, follow the breath, but just don't close your eyes. <laughs> Good. Good not, not again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I've had experiences when I've been driving and yeah. I drop into like meditative states or I'm chanting, like I'll do some mantra while I'm driving a lot and I have had some close calls. So you, you have to be careful when you're in your car um okay so let's um let's first get comfortable if you are sitting i want you to sit not leaning slumpy into the back of your seat but kind of sit tall so that you can feel your sit bones underneath you kind of anchor in have your feet on the floor and allow yourself to be in a a sense of reverence with your body so you're you're tall spined you're holding your head high but you're not rigid you're relaxed and then if you want to close your eyes you're welcome to do that but again if you are doing something that requires focus. Just keep your eyes open. And just take a minute and notice your body. So if you are about to go do something that you are nervous about or you're feeling a little excited about, the body recognizes nervousness and excitement the same way. So physiologically, it feels jittery, but mentally we can direct that and understand what that actually is for us just by tuning in, noticing, and identifying what it is that we're moving towards. So if we're going into something exciting, we get to be excited. 
And if we're going into something that makes us feel nervous, we get to be nervous. And then just direct your awareness to your breath. And just first notice your breathing now. How are you breathing? Feeling the inflow and the outflow of the breath. And just notice where the breath is showing up in your body. Is it in your belly? Is it shallow in your rib cage? Or is it up in your chest? And then I'm just going to guide you into a little bit of a, a breath practice. So you're just going to follow my count with the breath. And we're just going to do a little hold at the top of the breath in. And then we're going to count the breath out. So it's, it's called square breathing or tactical breathing for my first responders out there. And so we're going to do it on a count of four. If you find that my count is too long or, or too slow um, for you, you can change it. You can always count more or count less. So we'll take an inhale together and then just exhale, let your breath go out. And then we'll begin inhaling one, two, three, four, hold the breath in two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold the breath out two, three, four, inhale, two, three, four, hold the breath in, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold the breath out, two, three, four, inhale, two, four, hold it in, two, four, exhale, two, four, hold it out, four, last round, breathing in, hold the breath in, breathe out, hold the breath out, and then just let yourself come away from the count. Just observe now how you're feeling in your body, how you're feeling in your mind, any shift in sensation or awareness. And just the sense of yourself here. And then when you're ready, you can emerge back out, just expand your awareness beyond your body and open your eyes. How you guys feel? Wow. <laughs> that was awesome. I forgot we were recording. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. About, about uh, on the third round, I was like, oh, right. We're recording right now. <laughs> yeah. So, like, there were some brief moments of awareness. Like, remember when, when you when you start again, you actually still have to uh, have a coherent conversation. <laughs> Not just like going to Zen. Exactly. Like go for a walk in the woods. Yeah, well, we're done here. Thanks, Lindsay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mission accomplished. That's yeah, good. no, no it, it was it was awesome. Um, I I'm sure that people out there um, are are feeling the effects as well. And and this type of exercise that you just led us through that that's actually what inspired uh, us to bring you on the podcast is yeah. um, we've been connected 
with via Facebook for a long time, and I saw you go live um, a, a couple months ago, and was in a, a place where I was like, I could probably use some um, some relaxation. Uh, I mean, it was the, the, near the beginning of COVID. That was probably had something to do with it, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. and it was just a really good timing. And I, so I joined your live session, and was like, wow, Lindsay is uh, an incredibly com- effective communicator. Um, has a really strong message. Has like amazing knowledge of the the philo- uh, of the philosophy, but also is is really approachable and, and effective in communicating um, and making it relatable for people who don't really have a background in in these studies. So um, yeah, that's that's exactly um, why we wanted to bring you on. And, and uh, yeah, thanks for leading us through that. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for inviting me to do that. It's I feel so much more present now after just that three rounds, you know, it does not take much, but just giving us permission to get into our body so that we can actually be in connection with each other in a deeper way. It's, it doesn't take a lot of time, you know? So thank you for that. That was beautiful. Totally. And I thought what might be a good thing to do now is to kind of go back in time because you, you didn't, um, you weren't born obviously with all (laughs) of this, uh, wisdom. Um, and, and it, it was one of those great examples of um, of kind of needing something in our in your own life, um, much like other people have needed something, and then kind of found a solution, and then um, decided to to teach what what you've learned, and and you're you're really in that mindset now. But um, wh- I would kind of ask you, what would be an appropriate jumping in point for you? I know you've been on this journey for a while, but um, when when did you? maybe first begin to know that, that this was something that was uh, important or it was a, a gap that needed to be filled? Mm, that's a great question. Um, so uh, when I was a young teenager, I developed anxiety really significantly and I didn't know that that's what it was for all of my teen years until I actually hit like second, third year university and then I started to recognize that's what it actually was. Um, So I knew back then, like even as a teen, I knew that I wanted to learn more about how to be in my body, but I didn't know how to do that. And so I, it was probably around the age of 29, so 10 years ago, when I really started to slam into some burnout and some um, physical problems that started showing up in my body that were telling me like you cannot keep doing this the way you're doing it and so um, I had to start looking at my tendencies my habits my behaviors and uh, my lifestyle and my mindset and so that was kind of when it started and then um, a few years after that I got really sick and I, I couldn't do my job anymore and it was like it, I got ill and it kind of slammed me in and and stopped me from being able to live how I was living. So it was, it was like, I had this whisper the the whole way through, but I ignored it. My, you know, my soul was whispering at me and then started, then my body had to scream at me to get me to stop. Um, So that was kind of when I felt that gap, as you said, and really had to start shifting my attention to something new. So I want to go back to your teenage years for a second Um, to, to go 10 years with anxiety without really knowing what it is. Uh, I'm sure you were convinced, you know, okay, this isn't a 10 year heart attack. Um, so, uh, what is the alternative? And so what did you think it was? 
Like, did you think you were just crazy? Did you think you had like a, a breathing issue? Did you think like, what, what did you think it was? Maybe, maybe tell us the most dramatic examples you, you thought. Because <laughs> um, I think this could be helpful for, for, you know, many people who do suffer from anxiety, right? Yeah, I thought, oh gosh, that's such a great question. Thank you for asking. I, what, I internalized it as something is wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And I made it, a, I, I turned it into like, all the things that have happened to me, like my, when my parents split up and like the troubles that I had being bullied in my younger years and my always being taller and bigger than everybody else. And like, just all the uncomfortableness of being a growing girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I made that a, about being a problem. And so I started to have a lot of shame around it. And then I thought that the shame was just that was actually what was causing this reaction, this like complete panic. So a great example I can give you when you say extreme examples, I can think of one from when I was, you know, I was 15, 16, I guess, I was in grade 11. Uh, and I was trying to become the president of the students council because that's what you do when you're a perfectionist. Yeah, just wanna... also president of student council. <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, so you, you won then. I didn't win because I was not the most popular student in the school, but I... I, I Go ahead. I will say uh, I was the only nominee. So <laughs> I, I, I kind of won by default. But um, yeah, but I still won. And you deserved, <laughs> you probably deserved it. Yeah, you I, probably I, deserved it. Well, you yeah. definitely deserved it. If you were the only nominee, you're the only one brave enough to go for it. You definitely deserved it. Boom. There it is. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Your story. Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Um, so I, I, there, I was a nominee as well as good friends of mine, uh, these two guys, and they're the ones that ended up winning, but, um, which was great because had I actually won, I don't know what I would have done with that. Cause I was so, I, that was when the anxiety really revved up and I did a pep rally and I had a panic attack in this pep rally. And I just oh. remember the symptoms of that. Like the, I got this massive heat rash and I got, uh, like feverish, thought I was going to pass out, mm-hmm. tight chest, couldn't breathe, like definitely heart attack symptom feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't see anything except for this like sea of bleacher audience filled people. And they all had like horses heads and they were laughing at me. Like it was literally like that mm-hmm. nightmare experience. Um, and, uh, and so I, I suffered my way through that. But afterwards, again, I still internalized it as like, you just couldn't show up. Like what's wrong with you? Right. Um, I didn't actually externally recognize that there was something physiologically going on. That it was it almost me. sounds like you thought your body was punishing you for your lack. Absolutely. It was this full on feeling of self-betrayal from my body to my mind. Yeah. And I lived that feeling of self-betrayal for 15 years, oh. you know, till I was 30 years old where I just was, I was so mad at my physical. And so I just pushed it down. I was like, I'll mm. do fitness harder. I'll work harder. I'll go to school harder. I'll right. do everything harder yeah. and just push that, that anxiety down and, and beat it with a, with a stick basically. Mm. Which doesn't, doesn't work, work very well with anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, it doesn't work at all. And so, you know, what started to happen was in university. So I was, I would, in my pushing way. And I mean, this is also part of my personality. I'm ambitious and passionate and I want to help people. I love to teach. So I taught anatomy in university because I was doing a, I started out doing pre-med sciences and was going to go into kinesiology originally. So I was Hmm. teaching my peers anatomy in the lab. 
and I was getting these rashes, like crazy rashes. And I would study for like six hours before I would teach a lab, even though I knew every ins and out of the digestive system, but it's like, I got to study to make sure, you know, and I would show up and then I would get this crazy rash. And so I would wrap myself up in scars. Like I, I had like 70 scars by the time I was 30 years old. Like mm -hmm. if you ask any of my friends who knew me through my twenties, like I wore scarves, like, like a champ because I was hiding, I was hiding from it because I was ashamed of it and I was trying yeah. to push it away. And yeah. so, yeah, it was, it's been amazing to really come through that in the last 10 years for sure. Yeah. And at what point did, did those anxiety symptoms turn into something a little bit different? Like the anxiety and burnout, uh, I'm sure there was definitely a relation there. Um, but at what point did the, the doing everything hard um, another symptom that I think both John and I are familiar with. Oh, yeah. um, at, at what point did that cease to work and, and what symptoms showed up then? Yeah. Mm, well, at that, at the age of 30, I, um, we, I, my husband and I opened a business together. And so I left my, well, I was planning to leave my nine to five job at the university and I was going to move into, um, move into being an entrepreneur full on. And so I did that and I made that jump, took that leap. And, um, that was kind of around the last time you and I were seeing each other, Andrew, cause I was working at the Strath. Like this, the hotel was like my place to jump off from like the safe place to make money. Yeah. And so anyway, I, um, I started teaching fitness in the mornings, like 5 a.m. And I was teaching yoga all week and I was personal training and I was running the business and I was, I was just go, go, go all the time. And, um, I started to have physical pain in my, particularly in my feet mm. and um, my feet would just be so sore and achy all the time. And I would teach in bare feet in the mornings. It's freezing in the studio in the morning and I'd just be really, really creaky and sore. And then in 2012, which, so I, yeah, that was, that was six years ago, seven years ago now. Um, I, so a couple years into that, I, my father-in-law passed away. And I had to go to Vancouver to clean out his apartment. And Ari just, my husband just was, he couldn't. So I did it. And I went with a friend and I remember like we were drinking all the wine and like cleaning the ceilings and scrubbing with magic eraser in my flip flops all weekend, like no sleep and not good nourishment. And because I was just so overwhelmed with the grief. Um, and on the Sunday coming home on the ferry, I couldn't walk. My foot had blown up super swollen and, um, the following week, I was doing Tough Mudder. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Love Tough Mudder. <laughs> oh, my God. It was the best experience, and I do not regret it for a second, but, like, I was a mess. Like, my foot was super swollen. I literally had a bright orange foot because I had wrapped my foot in turmeric and sesame oil to try to reduce the inflammation because I've always been, like, into the natural <laughs> remedies. And so I've got this Oompa Loompa foot. And I'm rocking out Tough Mudder and um, I'm in a lot of pain, but I just was like, whatever, I'll, I'll just do it because I had committed. And then after that, um, I, my other foot was compensating clearly and it blew up so big I couldn't walk. And so I was in an air cast for six weeks and then all these other symptoms just started to manifest. I got um, inflamed hands, elbows, um, my low back started to hurt me. Um, I just had all this inflammation riddle my body and that was kind of where the other symptoms started and then it just got worse from there. Well, first off, your foot was the orange, which was tough mother <laughs> colors. So you would have fit right in. I was, so, so I was aligned with the theme. No biggie there. 
<laughs> and then was this Whistler? Yes. So you must have, which year was that? Uh, 20, well, 2012. Yeah. I guess it was 2012 so, or 2013. Yeah, yeah. We would have been there together and had not known it. I do remember oh, wow. somebody with a weird foot and being like, oh, that's weird. But uh, wait, <laughs> well, I, I guess that was you. That was you. <laughs> wow. If I, felt... I was wearing a green tutu, I had a green tutu and an orange foot. That was me. <laughs> yeah. Just an odor of turmeric that, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that that's right. still remains. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. wow. No, that, quite, that quite took the picture. crazy courage, though, too, because uh, Tough Mudder is, I mean, you, you know, it's not for the faint-hearted and, uh, or the yeah. or the orange-footed, although it is, apparently. Yeah. It is. Well, and it's, it's one of those interesting examples because courage, like, there's definitely courage in there, but I wouldn't, <laughs> like, right. Linz, if I was to ask you, is courage the only word you would use to describe your, your choices at that point? Like, what, what would you say? Oh yeah, I wouldn't. Courage would not be the first word that would come to mind. Right. Um, like just brazen ignorance to my reality is kind of what I would describe that as. I mean, definitely, I had the stick to itness, which I is a quality in myself that I do value. Um, but it was the amount of harm that I was doing to myself at that point was was pretty pretty high stakes, and um, yeah, I was just I was just being reckless. Yeah, that point. It, it's that whole question of balance. And, and right. for so many of us, some of the things that, that can propel us to doing good work and, and to making a contribution and to, to building a business or whatever, you know, being a good uh, mother, father, whatever it might be, um, it, it, there's also like a shadow side to that, um, which can uh, create destruction um, if, if we don't, uh, if we're at too far at one end of the extremes. Absolutely. So you were also running a fitness studio at this time. So then you, I, I remember you, you saying that you ended up um, using, needing a cast or a, a cane to walk with um, and, and basically being crippled um, while, while still having this life and, and uh, these responsibilities to lead. So how were you able to still manage to do all of those things that you had you'd signed up for and you you'd taken on when you, you thought you could do it and then realized that that um, it just wasn't possible? Yeah, well, I I mean, it, it took a few years for me to get uh, some clarity on what was actually happening. So I was I was in and out of doctors for about three years from 2012 to 2015 and. Um, you know, going to sports med docs and everyone was just telling me like, you just need to get more rest. You're just stressed out and you've got some inflammation, but nobody was, they were like, you're healthy. You're young. You look fine. Like there's no problem. And so it was just a further affirmation of like, what's wrong with you, Lindsay? Yeah, what's wrong right. with you? Yeah. And so it was a very difficult time for me. It was a very, very difficult time. And I had to really lean into examining like m my own reality inside between my ears, you know, and what was going on in my body. And, um, and so I did, I crashed and burned. I had to, I was walking with the cane at various times through between 20, 2013 and, and now, um, because it was so bad that I just couldn't put weight into my, to my legs, my feet. Um, mm -hmm. and I did get diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis, um, which is a autoimmune disease, spinal arthritis, um, situation. And, uh, you know, although I don't identify with that as like who I am, um, I have the aligned symptoms to what that disease looks like um, from a Western perspective. So, um, 
you know, I did have to go on some medications and those medications when I got, when it got so bad that I couldn't get out of bed, um, those medications did help me, but they also caused a whole bunch of other problems, which made me crash and burn in different ways. So it's been very tumultuous, but I, I did what kept me going, um, was this, this belief that I don't know, I guess I've had since I was young, which is like, I am here to figure out who I am. Like I'm here to feel, feel the truth of who I am. And I want that so much for everybody around me. And I, that's all the reason that I got into fitness and and yoga and spirituality and psychology, which is my background from schooling. And, you know, even helping my husband build his jujitsu community, like all of that has been grounded in wanting to support people in being more fully who they are. And so I kind of just started doing that work when this stuff happened to me and that became my everyday. Sorry, go ahead, John. Yeah, no, sorry. I just had this burning image in my mind. So, so, (laughs) you know, the listeners kind of know this and Andrew does and you may not, but, but I kind of think in pictures and apparently that's a thing. Apparently like when people read books, they, they either see the words or the images in their mind. And mm-hmm. I see the images. And so I, 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 I learn all my lessons through, through, you know, movies, TV images, real life. Anyways. So uh, an image that has come out through your story is, is you were talking about the deep shame. You brought up shame maybe five times and just the, and, and the physical effects of that, the red rashes and how that brought shame and the scarves and stuff. And, 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 but you weren't able to sort of deal with sort of the inner, like the, the, the reality of what was going on inside you. And, and, and the first thing that happened was like your foot blew up. You know what I mean? And it's almost like this image of like running away from yourself. You know what I mean? That became like manifested in an, in a foot injury that, um, <laughs> and, and you might think this is a clunky analogy, but for me, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> but, but it's just, it's funny how the body can do that sometimes is that it manifests itself in a way that's actually connected to your journey. And, and it's, and it's the idea of the slowing down. It's like this, you know, running away, but it's like, you're being forced to deal with who you really are. And you said earlier, there's this voice that had kind of was whispering to you this, that you're ignoring. And it's like the body has a way of forcing you to be like, no, 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 you can't run forever. You're going to have to look under the hood and deal with who you are. And, and that's, that's kind of what I hear. Um, is that at all accurate? <laughs> Oh, I don't think that this is clunky at all. Oh, I perfect. love it. I, I think I see the way you see because I, I feel that exactly. I definitely resonate with what you said. And I, I was, it was not coincidence to me when this happened in my feet. I was like, oh, yeah, right. Of course. Like the way that I do all the things, you know, it's all, it all starts from the ground up. It all starts with mm. my feet. Mm. and the running away piece is just so like apropos right it's just like almost cliche it's like okay yeah fine I do believe the body the body you know if we don't listen to the body's whispers then we have to hear it screaming and Mm. I have lived that as truth inside my own body and I really do believe it to be true and um, you know now I have this inflammatory disease and I don't know if you guys know anything about Ayurveda, but there are these three doshas in Ayurveda and Pitta is fire, fire and water dosha. And I, that is one of my predominant characteristics. And my constitution is like, I'm really fiery. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I was living in my fire, like way, way beyond my level of balance and an acceptable 
quantities like for most of my life until recent more recent years right and so that will manifest in an inflammatory way (laughs) and so it's not surprising that ankylosing spondylitis is my thing in that joint arthritis and inflamed joints is my thing because when i'm out of balance that's how i go out of balance Mm. and so to deal with that i need to come into balance in these other ways like more grounding techniques more earthy qualities more rest you know more nourishment like slowing down like blah, 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 all the stuff that's hard you know it's hard for me all that annoying stuff <laughs> you can barely yeah. even say slowing down yeah right <laughs> Oh, you know, funny. and I say that in jest because I do, I mean, I love all of that side of myself too. And it's just, it, I so value it now and it, I see the, the beauty in all of it. And it's, you know, if I'm left to my own devices, like I'll stay up till two in the morning creating, like that is me. Like for that's sure, the yeah. heart of me. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think your analogy is beautiful. Thank you for bringing that to the table. Yeah. It's a really interesting example of, um, of, the the eastern philosophies uh, and the intuitive nature of of the body um Mm -hmm. it it just makes absolute sense and um not that western medicine is is all wrong by any means but the whole idea of just like here's your prescription this will take care of it but it'll also cause a clusterfuck of other issues and uh and symptoms and it's just gonna yeah create new problems so um I, I really appreciate and and I think we're seeing um, a rise in in our Western civilization of uh, of these Eastern philosophies and wisdom that that can be applied maybe in um, like aside certain Western practices, but it, it certainly um, yeah. is unwise to just completely ignore things like the innate wisdom of the body and and you know listening to figuring out what's actually going on and trying to find um, something that will be a holistic solution. So when, what would you say was um, like a big jump into uh, the, either the yoga philosophy or the the Buddhist philosophy that, that really um, was a turning point for you? Mm. Well, I will answer that question, but I, something just came to me while you were speaking that I think is really relevant to share and might actually be helpful for anyone who's going through an autoimmune illness and having difficulty with the Western paradigm um, of the way that we treat it. And so I went on these medications and, you know, speaking to John's analogy of like the body will just keep manifesting whatever it is that you're hiding from in your psyche or in your emotional body or in your heart. And I took Humira, which is a biologic for uh, rheumatologic diseases like I have. And I was on it for a year and a half and I started to develop psoriasis. <laughs> mm. I've never had skin problems in my entire life. And all of a sudden now I have this secondary autoimmune disease and it's psoriasis. And I got these crazy blisters all over my legs and turned into massive staph infections. And like, it's disgusting. Maybe it's TMI, but like I had like pustules all over my legs for mm. a year. Oh, wow. And it was impossible to deal with. I was on antibiotics. I was trying to deal with it over and over again with all these different Western drugs. And all I knew inside, I could feel inside was like, you are, this is just the heat actually trying to get out of your body. Like this is, this is the heat of overload of your whole life, just actually trying to purge its way out. And you cannot dampen this down. You have to actually let this process happen. And so in taking Humira, it's an immune suppressant. It actually suppresses 
that which is trying to come through. Mm. And while, yes, I'm not saying that they're bad, like take them if they work for you. Awesome. If it gets you back to moving in your life, do it. And if other things are showing up, there's a, you got to look at it. There's a reason why those things are showing up. And so, yeah, I, I did look at that and that all of that stuff just deepened me into feeling the potency of my, my journey into yoga and, and mindfulness and, and spiritual awakening. So to your question, when I, when did I really like take the leap into doing this work? Um, I, I, it was very simultaneous with my illness. So I was, I've been teaching yoga since 2006 and I was teaching fitness yoga for a really long time, Mm -hmm. you know, like, let's, let's do this. Let's sweat. Let's move. It's flow. It's like, yeah, get in your body, but like really so much of it for me was just about the exercise and um, escaping what was really going on in here right. just by yeah. kind of numbing through the exercise, which sure. I know a lot of people are very familiar with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of that, like in, in you know, the crossfitty culture and like the, yeah. the vinyasa culture of yoga. It's like pound it, pound it, pound it so hard that you just you surpass it all with endorphins. Right. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. It's just something important to be, I had to get conscious of like, am I doing this for my health or am I doing this to avoid yeah. feeling? Yeah. yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. So that was the question I really had to lean into. And I started to notice my students were not progressing the way I wanted them to progress. And they were not asking any questions. They were like devoted to me in this weird kind of culty way of just doing anything I said. And so I started to question that. And um, I started taking workshops with this teacher and, um, you know, she was doing workshops on low back pain. And I, this was before I got really sick. This was like all happening at the same time. And I would go into this workshop thinking, I'm going to help my students get out of back pain and my husband get out of back pain. And then I would do the workshop and I would land in myself and be in so much back pain. Mm. And then I would skittle off to my class and teach hardcore yoga again for a while and hardcore hit to fit and like this crazy fitness life and then ignore the back pain. And I did that cycling for a while, like 29 to 32, like kind of did that on and off until Tough Mudder. Um, And so then I decided I wanted to pursue with this teacher and I started doing yoga therapy, which is very different than just typical yoga practice, generalized yoga practice. And um, I moved into that therapeutic model. And that is when like I had to, I really woke up to the somatic reality of my, my existence and my body. And all the other philosophy came alive for me at that time. Um, and that's when I discovered the ethical principles of yoga to be a way to live your day-to-day life. And um, so I started that practice then and I've never looked back and it's just, it's changed everything for me. Amazing. I know you're, um, you're a, a true teacher now and, and I mean, you have been for, for a long time. It, it, it's just what you, your, your subjects have changed a fair amount. But um, I think before we kind of get into um, into more of the philosophy stuff and, and in more uh, maybe some practical stuff that people can use and apply in their own lives. Not, not that they haven't heard some of that already, but I, I just want to touch on probably the most kind of the tenderest um, subjects and, and um, I, as long as you're willing to, to go here. But um, I know your, your, part of your journey in recent years has been the loss of, of your mother. And um, I just wondered if you were comfortable going in going into that area um and and 
it, it is a, a place of deep grief, but uh, maybe some of the, the principles that you've learned through, through your journey that, um, that you've applied to, um, to that great loss. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it certainly is, it is tender. It's a, it's a tender place. I feel that it will be a tender place for a long time to come. Um, but, and, uh, it is the impetus for me to be moving in the direction that I'm going in my life. And it is like the, the loss of my mother has ignited this purpose in me to live more fully. Mm -hmm. Like it literally launched me out of the smallness that I was living in for so long in this, in this fear-based life of you can't be too much because that's not going to work for people. Just be likable, be nice, stay, stay in this little box of who you are, which that's the box of shame. And that's the box of, of contraction. And, um, it's a sick box for me, really sick box for me. I've discovered. And, um, and I think if we expand that to a greater culture, like it's a sick box for culture right now, you know, just this, this holding ourselves back for what, for fear of being seen for fear of, of, um, fucking up, you know, failing. Mm -hmm. And so, I, I didn't, when my father-in-law passed away, I didn't accept the grief. I didn't allow the grief. I didn't even know how, because I was just starting to really like understand my body's language at that time. And, um, the thing about grief that I have discovered is that it just waits. It never goes anywhere. Mm, It just waits until you are, have a vulnerable spot or until there's like a little space, little crack, Mm -hmm. you know, and it just comes through the crack and then it hits you and it, it bowls you over. And the more you can open into your cracks, you know, like Leonard says, or wherever that quote initiated from, I never know who actually said like, you know, the cracks is where the light comes in. Mm. Um, But the more we can actually expose those cracks in our life, the more we can have space for the feelings to come through. And so as I got more present in my life over this decade, um, more present in my body and more present to how I think and how I believe in things, I, I was able to show up more truthfully to the moment. And so I'm so grateful for that because when my mom got sick, I only got four months with her went from the day she was diagnosed to the day she died. It was actually less than four months and I didn't waste that time. I was with her every day. Mm -hmm. I was with my family every day. I was with myself every day. And yes, I did fall into my patterns during those four months. You betcha. Like I, I was busy. I made all the, I made all the smoothies for her. I juiced all the juices for her. Like I did all the things and I was also there for all the moments. And I think I was saying to you a little bit on our initial call, Andrew, like those are the things I have now as like full on memories, somatic memories inside my body because I was actually there for the experience. Mm-hmm. And I, can, I don't have a lot of memories of my childhood. I don't have a lot of memories of my younger years or my life because I wasn't actually physically embodied. I was like in my head and I was so trapped in the anxiety and the shame that I don't remember yeah. what happened. I don't have these, these associations. I just have a generalized feeling of yuck, you know? Mm. And so that 
experience of loss, um, the ability to be so present in that experience has really taught me that if you can lean into those times, you are gifted the opposite in an abundant way. So the ability for me to welcome joy into my life now is like tenfold what it was before my mom died. And I, it's so paradoxical. It's so counterintuitive for me because I never would have thought that. I just would have thought that life would be harder after that. And so what I attribute that to is just a generalized resilience that I have gained through this work is that I've grown into my capacity to be with what is. So being with grief, being with loss, being with pain has allowed me to now actually expand into being with joy because joy is actually scarier for me than pain. Pain's easy. I have no problem hanging out in pain. Hmm. But hanging out in joy is like the ultimate vulnerable place for me. <laughs> and I want to be there. Like <laughs> that is where I want to live my life, you know? And I, my mom is my inspiration because my sweet mom, she did not live there. Like she lived there through me. She lived there through my brothers. But she was totally codependent on us. Like that was her, we were her thing. We were her reason. And we can't be each other's reasons. It's that's, we can't, we have to be our own reason. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to be my own reason for her because she didn't get a chance to do that. So mm -hmm. that's, that is like, that's my why, I guess that's my why. And that's why I'm so passionate about sharing it with people and teaching. Yeah. That was a beautiful five minutes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. I, I heard echoes mm -hmm. of Brene Brown in there. I heard echoes of Pema Chodron. I heard echoes of some beautiful spiritual teachers and echoes of some great internal growth that you've, you've, you've gone through. I, lo I love the link between, well, I don't love this link. It's a terrible link, but I like how you brought it up. Um, the link between shame and perfectionism. Um, and, and I think Brene Brown talks about perfectionism is ultimately the great escape from from ourselves it's our way to avoid um the fear that we're inadequate um yeah. and and you might think the more perfect we become the more okay we'll be with ourselves and the opposite happens right especially when it's fueled by shame which is ultimately i don't i'm not enough you know um there's something wrong with me i'm broken um and uh it's yeah it's it's shame is poison i mean that, that's what i was thinking about when you were talking it's poison and it and it poisoned your body, um, in in ways, um, and it's I, I don't think anyone's untouched by shame. I know I know mm -hmm. I've been touched by shame, and 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 the way I tried to deal with it was was similar in some ways actually. And it's yeah, it's just and anyways, th th thank you for sharing that. It's been it's been very helpful. Mm, yeah, yeah. Thank you for saying that. I I think shame is like the it's like the devil hiding in the closet. Yeah, you know? Like yeah. It, it, it has, we have to yank it out of the closet and we have to put it out on the stage of our lives. Like we actually have to speak it. And I know Brene Brown is like my girl. Yeah. I know you guys want to have her on your podcast. She's going to be on my podcast too. So we have a deal, <laughs> like whoever gets her first, we got to like, you know, give props to each other. Yeah, big <laughs> referral program. Yeah, yeah. A big total rate. referral program. <laughs> yeah. But she, you know, she speaks to this, like you, you have to put the shame out in front and, and speak it to life because that's actually what takes, gets, it takes your power back. It, it gets, Absolutely. It, it empties yeah. the power of shame. Yeah. And, you know, perfectionism for me, like it's been such a par paralyzing experience. 
Um, and I have, I have wanted more for myself and for my life and perfectionism has, has actually stilted that up until, you know, the last five, seven years. And so I really do believe that, that you're right. It's this, it's this toxic jail cell that we live in with shame and perfection. And that the only way through it is walking through that imperfect action step every day and just slowly peeling away the the layers that keep us trapped yeah yeah Yeah. and and Linz, i just want to um really applaud you for for the learning that you um continue to go through and um especially when it relates to the the passing of your mom um it that is really like the heart of obstacle course is is when we um encounter our, our most extreme challenges we we find a way to, to learn from them, to, to lean in and, and to use, um, use that innate wisdom to, to create something out of it. And, and I mean, you're, you're using it as fuel and, and, um, I, I think you both know this, but, um, my, I have a, a pretty similar story with my dad's passing. Um, and the, mm-hmm. the, there's some incredible parallels. The fact that it was, um, both of our parents had the same stage four, colon cancer about four months um from diagnosis to passing away it it was kind of mind-blowing when i when i first heard that um when we when we spoke and um yeah the the fact that in in their memories we can be inspired to create lives that that were maybe more aligned and more authentic than than the ones that that they lived um and and that's maybe the best way of honoring them and um, and showing that that um, even though it it wasn't the end that we had ever imagined, um, it, it's not it's not really an end, and and we can um, we can we have to we're we basically have a commitment to live fully and and to um, and to be true to ourselves and and really um, and make that impact in in their memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing your side of it and how it's grown you too. Um, I think that's such a gift, right? I think that, I think that is a way to transform loss in our lives because if we don't, I talk about this so often with my husband, like if we don't get more resilient in the loss, we just get more brittle as we get older Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and then we become the crotchety old person that no one ever wants to be. But if we can actually lean into the loss as an opportunity to expand who we are, as I've seen you do, like, you know, when we talked earlier, you are just this blossomed version of you. You are Andrew. You're no longer Andy. Like (laughs) you are this blossomed version of yourself now. And gosh, like that is that to get that gift from losing someone you love, like that, it just, it doesn't make sense. We can't really make sense of it, but we can feel it when we live it. And mm-hmm. that is, it, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Well, and another thing I love that you said, and it's so true, um, is, is how the grief, um, has to come out, right? It will, it will find a crack and, and it, and it will come out. And, and I just, that's been really a theme of this entire conversation, is is we have to let it out you know we can't we can't repress i mean we do this the the physical action of repression pushing down we can't do that we have to deal with those difficult feelings and and grief um it's i believe you know un unprocessed grief is perhaps the most poisonous thing we can have within us 
Um, they've even done tests on, on tears um, and shown and, and, and injected rats with those tears and the rats got cancer um, because they're so like um, potent. Um, and, and, and you just think about people who have not processed the grief of, of their life and, and no wonder they have so many um, challenges. No wonder they're on so many meds um, just trying to like kind of keep going. But but perhaps we all need that cleanse, you know, to be able to just but but it takes strength and courage and vulnerability to allow yourself to, to look at yourself and, and process it. Right. And, and yeah. there's not a lot of lessons out there on how to process grief. Right. Like there's just most people you don't know it naturally. No, it, and it's not really part of our culture. No, in our no, Western culture no. is is no, not no. one of uh, of really acceptances of denial and and repression. Yes, yeah, and so it's it doesn't come naturally. So we need conversations like this to say there's no option. It's not optional. It's not like it's a good thing to process grief. No, your life depends on it. You have to you have to process it, or it will come out in toxic ways. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's unavoidable. I totally agree. It's yeah. it is it, it will find its way to the surface and it will manifest however it manifests for you based on the 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 way that you're made. For sure. You know, what's 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 in your DNA and and what's in your constitution and absolutely it will it will plague you until it wrecks you and then you will be done. Like mm. it just it, you know, mm. you will get sick. I don't know if you've ever heard of Gabor Mate, but oh, he yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like his book, when the body says no, mm. was a complete game changer for me. When I read that, I was like, I'm not getting cancer. That is not my gig. I'm not here to do that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this, with this mindset of I'm better than my emotions. Like I'm done with that. Mm. And I just, that was when the floodgates really crashed open for me. And I started to really allow in my experience of life, which meant I had to feel all the feels. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was hard and grief was hard. And I realized like, I'm actually pretty good at that. I'm actually pretty good at holding those emotions because I've been doing that for other people my whole life. Right. And that has been a way that I've tried to compensate for not doing it for myself. Mm -hmm. And so now that yeah. I can do it for myself, it's like, I just, my capacity is that much greater. The ability to be compassionate is that much greater. And um, and I've healed, I've healed so much and there's still more, there's always more, but it's, um, this, this allowing is the key. Like you say, we need to have courage. We need to have bravery. Um, I can't remember what else you said, but to, to do this work of like actually going and feeling and doing and yeah. letting the cracks happen. Mm -hmm. I think we actually have to have a will. We have to have a strong ass will and belief and, and faith that when we get to the other side of this life is going to be more beautiful. You know, Glennon Doyle talks about that in her book, Untamed. She talks about life is supposed to be more beautiful than this when she was, when she was caged. And then when she got untamed and freed herself into, which meant she actually had to feel everything and be in the ache of life. She, saw the beauty that life actually is mm. and that that is what i think is on the other side but we have to actually lean into the, the the faithfulness in that because otherwise you just keep pushing against it and it and it breaks through you with illness it breaks through you with cancer it yeah. breaks through you with whatever other thing but it's not actually you and no. you miss the whole show that could be your next yoga program strong ass and will <laughs> 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 You might be onto something there, John. I think so. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. One thing, and, and we're, we're, we're basically kind of at the end of our time, which is... Which is uh, why I said that, yeah. yeah <laughs> good way to wrap. Um, but... We I could, feel like we are like just getting started. To- I'm like, let's go. Totally. Like, I so much that is true. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do this back. again. Yeah, yeah. We'll do this again. Oh my gosh. Um, but one, one kind of final ish question. Um, if, if people are, are intrigued by this, but it's like, you know, enlightenment's a long ways away. They're just trying to kind of get through the day and, and maybe they, they've got some of those voices, those innate voices that are, they're trying to say something, but, they've spent their whole lives or, or their last 10 years not listening to them, um, which is, there's a lot of people out there who that applies to. Um, what would you suggest as kind of a first step to like begin the conversation with, with those, um, those voices that have been pushed down or, or those things that we've ignored uh, for so long? Mm-hmm. And you can say, join one of your, one of your Facebook live sessions. Mm. Oh gosh, that's that's a deep question. Um, where do they start? Well, I think the best place to start is to just try to give some space to the voices. It sounds crazy, but try to give some space to what you're actually hearing. So you know, if you have, if you feel this little whisper and it's showing up as pain or you feel this little whisper and it's showing up as exhaustion or you feel this whisper of, I just, I just want to cry all the time, but I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, or why am I always losing my temper? Like I have such a short fuse, like these reactions that we have, mm-hmm. if you can start to witness yourself a little bit in that and, and give some space around it. Maybe you sit and journal for five minutes when it comes up or you, you just start with that in the morning, looking at how you actually feel when you wake up in the morning, um, and begin the process of self-awareness, which is at the heart of all of this work. We cannot change what we aren't aware of. And so if you've been given the gift of your soul is loud enough that you can actually hear it kind of knocking, knocking on your door, then it, it behooves you to lean into that and listen. Yeah. And so you can listen in lots of different ways. Um, for me, I listened through my body. So I started doing yoga therapy. I started doing um, physical movement practices that were not with loud busting music in my in the background. I was not banging a hammer on a tire anymore. <laughs> I was like laying on the ground. Not that that's wrong. I love those workouts. Yeah. But laying on the ground and literally like rolling my head side to side and like noticing mm-hmm. how that resonated down through my body. And then all of a sudden I would be like, wow, I really need to shed some tears here. And for the first little while, I was like, hell no, I'm not shedding those tears. That's not happening. What the heck is going on? You know, and then I was like confused and it was uncomfortable, but I I stayed with it because I had that will. I had that curiosity. And I think the curiosity is the, the best ingredient that we can start with. So if you can get curious about these reactions, instead of getting angry or mad at yourself and go into self-creation around like, oh, you know, why am I, I just need to do better. I'm not going to be angry. I'm just going to be better for my kids or, or whatever it is um, to just turn that around and be curious and, and ask like a friend would ask like, what's going on there? What's that about? And that will start to open things up for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I will say is that you need to do it with support. Like 
you cannot do this work alone. I did try. I tried for 10 years and you can't. It's, it's too much to do by ourselves. We are not a species designed to do things on our own, especially to grow into who we are. Um, we're meant to do it in community. So find a teacher, find someone who inspires you. It doesn't even have to be in person. It could be through a podcast. It could be through just someone's guidance, but find someone who helps you get in your body. You need to be in your body. If you want change, if you want to actually unravel some of these patterns in you, you have to cultivate awareness with curiosity and kindness, and you have to get in your body. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe more okay. perfectly than I, I could have imagined. Um, okay. And the, the one thing, and, and we're, we're, we're pushing our time limit here, but I just wanted to um, give a little bit of space uh, because I, I know that you are starting a program in June uh, of 2020 here. And for those of you who have listened, I, I'm sure they've gotten a great deal. And, and perhaps um, they're interested in you uh, being a teacher and, and learning from you. Um, and, and by no means we were, were we setting this up to be a pitch for, for your program. But I think it just really fits um, super well. So I, I don't actually really know anything about it other than there's a three-month program starting in June um, that, that you're leading so do you want to just tell us a little bit about that, um, what it'll involve and, and, uh, and also when it'll start, just because I know this, um, this podcast will come out in June and it would be awesome if we could have it out around the time that, that it starts so that people might be able to join it if they're intrigued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, thanks for that opportunity. I mean, I, I think you had said like, if there's, um, a, a resource for people to start with. Like I gave some, some concepts of how we can lean in, but as a, as a direct resource, I just want to say this so I don't forget, but this book, um, the Yamas and the Niyamas by Deb Adele, this book is, has been a template for me in an online yoga philosophy course that I teach, which talks about the 10 principles of yoga, uh, or the ethical principles of yoga. And so it's, it's, that's where the everyday Buddhism comes from for me. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, you know, not nonviolence, non-attachment, acceptance, contentment, truthfulness, like all of those kind of global concepts, um, that show up in all, all the aspects of spirituality. Um, so I run a course, uh, based on that book once a year it's a 10-month immersion and we do and it's all online and um, that will start up again next year in january but uh this course that i'm offering is my like excited i'm so excited about it because it's like my my amalgamation of all the things all the tools and an immense amount of support from me to whoever is curious to go into a deeper level of awakening um so it's a three-month container and in that space, um, you know, it's an opportunity to really uh, dive deeper into freedom and what it means to be free, both physically, emotionally, uh, mentally, and spiritually free. So teaching people how to see, how to see themselves more deeply, cultivating that curious awareness, and also how to see others in our and our relationship between what happens in between. Um, and then helping people find them, find a sense of being, getting out of the doing and into the being of who they are. Uh, and then the freedom of choice. So once we can see and be, we have way more choices. And so awakening this 
this bravery around allowing decisions to come through intuition instead of trying to use our brain to make the decisions about everything. So it's an opportunity to come into alignment with flow of and who you who you really are and who you know yourself to be, right? Like that soul's call versus living in the world as a um, as a left-brained person who thinks their way through everything and is in a contracted state, um, finding a more expanded state. So yeah, I mean, if someone wants to talk about it more, I would just suggest that they reach out to me with a message and we can deepen into what it entails. Um, because I know we're, we're running low on time, but that's kind of the general overview. Well, and, and that's that's great. Lindsay, thanks so much. Uh, listeners, definitely check that out. Uh, I don't normally do this. I, I don't think I've ever done this and it's going to immediately make Andrew nervous, but that's fine. It's good for you. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I'm just feeling on my heart that uh, I, I've learned something about myself over the last uh, number of years and, and something you said early on stayed with me. Just like when you look back on your childhood or that that early part of your life, it's like a yuck feeling. And, and I came across a quote recently by Nietzsche. Um, good old Nietzsche is not really known for his you know flowery quotes, but but uh, he had a good one here. And he says, you know, we must be careful when exercising our demons that we don't throw away the best parts of ourselves. And so I would just encourage you to go back to that time of your life and realize that there was some beautiful parts of Lynn of Lindsay. And uh, I have recently done that and found some own some of my own beauty in, in in that part that I was ashamed of and that I wanted to get rid of and have rebrought them into my life. And it's, I found joy in those places. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you to perhaps um, go back to that as well. There, there may be mm-hmm. some Lindsay worth saving and, and sharing. Mm, thank you. Thank yeah. you for that. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I def- I'm definitely doing that work. Been doing that work for a while, just reclaiming, a lot of reclaiming. So I, I feel you and thanks for yeah. thanks for sharing that so yeah, openly. No problem. Beautiful. Yeah, I feel like to close out my quote that I think really nails all of this conversation is that it's a song lyric from the ballroom themes. And the quote is, I've come to test the timber of my heart. Like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. I've come to test the timber of my heart. And I think that is like my life mantra and um, that is what this program is about. And that is why I'm here talking to you is like, w- like knock on my heart and, and show me who I am. Like that's the conversation that I, I wanna mm-hmm. have with life every day. And, um, mm-hmm. and that, goes, that goes back to when we're young. It, goes, it starts from when we're born, right? So yeah, yeah mm-hmm. we, get to take, we get to take it all with us. Well, that's, uh, that's an amazing place to wrap. And I just wanna thank you, Lindsay, for um, for the teaching that you do and the incredible ability that you have to communicate it and to make it um, just relatable and accessible and useful for people. You you inspired emotion in, in both John and I today uh, just through that amazing ability to connect and communicate. And, mm-hmm. and I know that um, anyone who does work with you um, will, will feel the same. So thank you and um, can't wait to continue the conversation. Thank you. Thank you both so much for your presence. It was, was beautiful. Beautiful to chat with you guys. Yeah, thanks, Lindsay. And that's the episode. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you can find us at all the usual places. Obstaclecoursepodcast.com. We're very active on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Obstacle Course Podcast. And speaking of Facebook, we have a great new growing community called the Obstacle Course Community that you can join, dialogue with Andrew and I and your fellow listeners about the previous week's episode and any obstacles you're dealing with. And we do appreciate reviews, whether it's on iTunes, Google, Facebook, whatever. It helps people find the podcast. And it's nothing to do with our fragile eagles. Well, uh, you know, we just like to hear back from great people just like yourselves. Thanks for listening, everybody. Keep pushing through those obstacles.